what a, what a what a wonderful comedy! It's a, I it's a little bit of a dark comedy, a little uncomfortable comedy, but um, definitely you do so well in it. Um, and I understand that you have a lot of friends here in Utah. I do. I do have a lot of friends here in Utah. I love the people in Utah. Uh, do you come here often? Well, it sure seems like it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm in Utah a lot. I I was fortunate enough to be part of the Utah Film Festival and Awards mm-hmm. in 2018 and in 2017. So I, I drove out to Provo for that, and it was just incredibly welcoming. The people in Utah are so nice, and Provo is just such a lovely little town. It is. And although I, I, I've lived here for a long time, I'm, I'm basically from L.A. and uh, New York. But uh, when I first landed here, I could have sworn the, uh, the flight attendant said, you're landing in Salt Lake City. Please set your, your watch back 100 years. So I'm not really <laughs> quite sure what that meant. But um, Oh, man. Well, I will tell you that I had trouble finding a cup of coffee when we were staying in Provo, it was just mm. like we went to a bagel shop and we couldn't get a cup of coffee with our bagels, which was interesting and something I was completely not expecting. So um, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's what she meant. <laughs> I have, honestly, I've never had trouble getting a cup of coffee. I'm, uh, I'm adamant about my coffee. Uh, oh. <laughs> so you <laughs> have to hang with me next time you're here. I, it seems like it. Maybe I was just in the wrong little area. But. Yeah, Provo is, we just, that's that's a berg we, we not the city it's 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 pro uh, tell me a little bit because i you know i like discovering things about people tell me a little bit about how you grew up and and at what moment did you fall in love with films well i grew up in colorado and i was always writing just writing uh short stories and scripts and uh, i used to write my own little movies that I would make with my Barbies. And we did some stop motion uh, stuff with Barbies that is really funny to look back on now. <laughs> um, but I, I was just really interested in telling stories through film and writing them. And then when I got to high school, I started doing some acting. Mm. And it was after I did a production of Anything Goes as a junior in high school that I thought, gosh, that was awesome. I, I think I might want to see if I can do that for a living. And, um, but by the time I got to LA, I was auditioning for a lot of projects that I didn't think were really fulfilling to me as an actress. So I started writing my own scripts, which led to producing my own stuff. And now here we are years later with Jeannie Bean is dead, which I'm so proud of. And and, uh, that's an interesting story. Uh, do, do you enjoy theatrical acting as well as on camera? Because they're two different muscles. Yes, that's true. And I do. I, I actually have mostly a theater background. And I ran a Shakespeare company in Santa Monica for a few years <laughs> with one of my really good friends. And that's how I met my husband through Shakespeare Theater. He's an incredible theater actor. He's just a great stage performer. And uh but at this point, I'm really interested in doing stuff for screen. I just love that you can reach a wider audience. And I like the subtle nuance of it. In theater, you're playing to the back row. In film, you're playing to the, the, the guy sitting in the front of, of, of the movie theater. Yes. So it's a, like I said, it's a, it's a little bit of, of a difference. What about, what about taking one of Shakespeare's plays and just kind of making it yours? 
on film? Well, I definitely have done that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, I did work on a film modern adaptation of um, Macbeth, mm. which was a really fun, interesting project. And actually, the, the first project I worked on with Mikhail Kreutzwigler, who directed Dini Bean, mm -hmm. was actually a film adaptation of Othello. We did a little experimental short. Mm -hmm. So I have definitely done what you suggested. That's funny <laughs> that I came to I, mind. I try to hire myself out as fall staff every now and then. You know, oh, how fun. It's, it's really at a six-year-old birthday party, nobody gets it. You know, so, you know. <laughs> uh, but Dini Bean, where did you get the idea for Dini Bean? Because... Oh, I think a lot of this is therapy. It does seem like it, doesn't it? <laughs> so I started with the character. Um, Dini came to me after I experienced a big shift in myself where I had experienced a lot of self-doubt and jealousy and wondering what is my place in this world. And uh, so I sort of had this character going and Mikhail said, let's make a feature film. And we looked at the locations we had access to. And as a writer, I sort of thought, okay, we have this house and we have this character who's a little off her rocker. What would be the most interesting way to put those two things together? And that's where the story of Deanie Bean came about, which is really, uh, a f she just does the most wild stuff. So It's a circumstance comedy too, because she's finding, finding herself in these weird moments it's it's almost larry david ish in a way and that's a yeah. compliment because i love yeah. larry david i do too he's great was there a lot of improv in the in the film there wasn't a ton of improv but there was a lot of last minute rewrites by actors on set and I, in fact, that was one thing I really appreciated about Mikhail and, and our collaboration worked really well because as a writer, I don't feel super married to each, the way each line is written, but I want the actor to be able to deliver it in a way that still contains the emotional integrity. So if they need to change a few words or we need to move things around, then that's fine. That's what we do. As a screenwriter, you know, I, I know a lot of screenwriters and it seems to me a lonely business uh, you know unless you're writing in a team now do, do you prefer somebody to bounce off of or or is it you in a room for six months oh it's me in a room for six months <laughs> but you know it doesn't feel that lonely to me because I have all the characters talking to me in my head so I don't <laughs> and, and the process is uh, do, do you do you uh, you know do that Sid Goldman thing about putting you know, the paradigm up and, and, and following scene by scene, or do you just, it, does it pour out of you? It's a little bit of both. Usually I, I have my idea and I like to handwrite it out with a pencil on a piece of paper. And then from there, when I sort of know where I'm going, I just, my first draft is usually just sitting down and just letting it all out. And things come up that I wasn't expecting, little character quirks or a complete storyline twist. I like to give it a little bit of freedom. And then once I have that down, I can, that's when I start getting feedback hmm. and going back and trimming, cleaning up, adding things that are needed. When you say your characters, you know, are talking to you, that, that is actually a really good thing. David Mamet once told me that he had characters yelling at him, oh. uh, that, that, you know, he wanted to move them this way and they were, they were fighting him tooth and nail. So that's something that is, I think, common amongst really good screenwriters. Well, it's interesting how, 
I'm not surprised to, that he said that. I have that same, a similar experience where you try and force something and it just, it doesn't work. You kind of have to be willing to flow with where they tell you they want to go. <laughs> it's almost like it already exists somewhere else and you're just kind of channeling it or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think that's what good writing is, is, is that the story is there. It's like Michelangelo talking about sculpting is all I do is chip away, you know, everything that isn't the statue and yeah. there you have it. Did you always want to play Deanie Bean or, or did that just evolve? Oh, I knew I was going to play Deanie Bean. <laughs> In some ways, when you know you're going to play a character, it makes it a little harder to write because it's more challenging to see yourself from the outside and like what you bring to a character as an actor. For instance, if I'm writing for another actor that I know, I can easily see that person and, and understand like which aspects of their ability I want to highlight in the character, but it's harder to see that for yourself. So Deanie took a lot of reworking, you know, Mikhail was with me and he helped offer feedback. So we kind of developed things together. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that was really helpful. But yes, I always knew I wanted to play Deanie. Now, now the business side of show, you know, the business part of that is, is pitching and getting funded for these concepts. Did, did you have a lot to do with that? I mean, did you have fundraisers or? Well, um, I have done a lot of pitching, but we didn't have to do any for this project. We had, we had everything we needed to make the film uh, very low budget and we just had the resources we needed. So we were able to do it without going out and looking for financiers, which was really fortunate um, and it just was kind of a product of having worked with a lot of actors and having worked with a lot of crew and having access to equipment and locations. So that wasn't part of this project, but it usually is. Did you have a lot of pushback from SAG-AFTRA? I think they they want people to work actually, but uh, you know, when you do projects in LA, they, you know, tend to like to know about it. Well, we, to be honest, this I think this project was not big enough for them to really care too much about. <laughs> Although we still followed all the rules and I, mm -hmm. I was the SAG point person, so I went through all the paperwork processing, which is a very detailed yeah. type of uh, thing to do. But um, we didn't really get much pushback from them. I think they're more concerned with uh, bud budgets that are slightly higher than ours. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure your budget was probably a catering budget on, on a Netflix film. So, I mean, you know, but it, you I, shot yeah, it brilliantly. True. I mean, it, it, you took advantage of every lighting, every opportunity. Uh, the scene where you're, you know, at your ex-boyfriend's house digging <laughs> was both creepy and so well produced. Uh, Mikhail was the director of photography himself. He actually has a very strong background as a cinematographer, so that was not challenging for him to do. He was easy to, he easily stepped into that position. We did have camera operators um, who would offer suggestions and stuff, but hit, anytime you see a shot that looks genius, it's because of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, kudos to, to, to him. You don't sit still. I've, I've, I've read a little bit on your resume, and, 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 but you're, you're not one to like be stagnant. Are you working on something right now? What's, what's happening? I am. I have a couple projects right now. <laughs> um, I have a short film, which was my directing debut. It's going to premiere at the Valley Film Festival in November, hmm. which um, we were supposed to play in August, but you know the 
pandemic yeah. pushed things back. So we're hoping that we'll, by that time, we'll be able to have our in-person screening. And uh, I'm in process with a feature film that I wrote that I'm working on getting financed for. So you asked about pitching earlier, and that's a project that I'm currently pitching around. So I can't talk about it too much, but I'm very excited about it. Now, did I read right? You were in The Lone Ranger? I was. I, I had a Film, small Filmed part. here in Utah. Yes. Uh, yeah, actually, when, when I was shooting, we were in Arizona. So I think they were kind of all over the place. And I know they did some filming in Santa Ana, California as well. I guess that was, must have been a wonderful cast with Johnny Depp. And I mean, what do you learn from something like that? <laughs> well, I'll just tell you that I was flabbergasted by that experience because <laughs> I have never seen such a huge production ever. I mean, that's by far the biggest set I've ever been on. And it, I mean, it was just staggering to see. When I arrived on set, I was on a train. My scene was on a train and they had built their own track and the train would just go in circles on this track, like in the middle of nowhere. I think it was Arizona. I'm pretty sure it was Arizona. Um, it might've been New Mexico. Oh, that's crazy. I can't even remember anymore. But um, just the sheer size was beyond anything I'd ever seen. And from that experience, uh, how do you apply that to productions that you do that are on a much smaller scale? Well, you know, on a small scale, we're constantly being scrappy. We're constantly looking for solutions to things, but we're always modeling ourselves after a big production because that is that is the professional, most professional way to do it. So um, I'm trying to think of an example, but but basically we're we're always trying to we're always endeavoring to push ourselves to be as strategic and methodical as possible. And those productions really embody those qualities. You know, we have a lot of uh, young students and, and, and people getting into the business watching these interviews that, that I do. Um, do you have any advice? And when people come up to you and say, you know, Allison, I, I want to direct, what, what do you tell them if there's anything that you can tell them? I would tell them to, if they want to direct, I mean, my thing, I, I'm a real, I'm really a writer at my core. So I, if you're a writer, just write your stuff. Just write it, all of it, write all the bad stuff, write all the good stuff, just get it all out and keep practicing. But if you're interested in directing, uh, and I hear this all the time, there's so many opportunities. I mean, we all have cameras in our pockets that we can be directing on, but I think a key piece is to have collaborators and people you're close with, people whose work you respect, that you can go to and say, hey, let's try out this new idea I want to shoot a short film. Are you interested? Are you available? And having those people who are game and have a creative curiosity are really important because they will help you get where you want to go. Is there still opportunity for young filmmakers in the film festivals? I, I, you know, I don't know always how that works to the benefit of a filmmaker. It gets you seen and maybe gets you noticed, but what other benefits are there to throwing a film into a film festival? There can be a lot of benefit. I mean, if we're looking at the top film festivals, it's of course exposure. If, you're, if your film has been showcased or selected by one of these film festivals, then you have a big stamp on you that says, okay, Tribeca approved. <laughs> That's a lot of leverage when you go in to meet with representation and actors and all that. But the smaller film festivals can be a huge boost as well. First of all, 
being selected for a film festival and seeing your work up on the screen is a huge confidence booster. And that is something that can be really helpful in this industry just to know, okay, I have something that's worth sharing. That's a big deal. But secondly, you'll, you'll meet people. You'll meet people who are fans of your work. You'll meet people whose work you really admire that you want to work with. And it, it's just, it's never really a bad thing to participate in those events if you have the opportunity. Yeah, I, I think that's what we've lost a little bit at, at these, you know, because I've been going to Sundance now almost 40 years. And it started out as a lot of people having coffee. Believe it or not, they have coffee there. And, oh, I need um, to go to Sundance, that's where. Yeah, and, and, and mingling <laughs> and talking and sitting down at tables and going over things. And, and it's become more of an auction block now. Mm-hmm. And, and But that old philosophy of, you know, people that are in the business uh, inspiring and mentoring people just coming in, I, I, it, I don't see it that much anymore. And I think, you know, smaller, when I say smaller film festivals, but things like Telluride, um, you know, the uh, uh, La Jolla Film Festival in San Diego, all of that, I think those still lend themselves to those private conversations that you can have with somebody that is actually, you know, earning a, a living doing it. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. Mentorship is so important. We really need to be able to see people doing what we want to do and sort of figure out how they operate. It, it can be a huge game changer. As we kind of close uh, uh, here, uh, when you're not Alison Volk, the, uh, the world-renowned star and screenwriter, uh, how do you spend your time? What are your hobbies? Uh, do you like cooking? Do you bike? Do you hike? Uh, I am I'm a quilter. So I just made my second quilt and (laughs) (laughs) I, I walk my dog every day (laughs) and I'm really into meditation. I find that finding that internal peaceful space is really important. Wow. That's uh, the quilting. You could just come here and everybody quilts here. I'm not surprised. Is it quilting (laughs) bees? Oh, that's cute. And you need it there because it gets so cold in the winters. Yeah, but we also have heat. You know, this is not the the frontier, you know, anymore. Uh, right. Uh, you know, but it sort of feels like it sometimes. We uh, we'd love to host you out here. When 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 can you come out and uh, we'll we'll have it at a coffee shop. We'll just meet so that you can just get your fill. Oh, that would be fantastic. Um, well, hopefully I'll be out there for Sundance in January. So if that happens, then I'll give you a shout. And Deanie Bean is dead is available on all video on demand platforms right now. Uh, I know at the moment we're available on Tubi TV. We should be on Amazon soon, and uh, hopefully that will be happening this week. So stay tuned. I'm a big fan of Tubi TV. It's it's actually a pretty cool little little place to be. They've got a lot of original shows, and they've got these great films. So Deanie Bean is Dead is on Tubi. And yes. uh, Blu-ray and DVD pretty soon? Uh, we don't have any plans actually for Blu-ray and DVD, but if that changes, then it will be on our website, deaniebeanisdead.com. All right. Well, Allison, thank you so much for your time. I, uh, this is our first meeting. I know that we are going to meet up here in Utah when you're here. Um, and like I said, uh, lunch is on me. We'll go to a nice place to, to, to celebrate that you and your husband. Thank you so much, Tony. It was great to meet you and chat with you. And again, thanks for your time. This celebrity interview is sponsored by... I'm Annette Severella with Pia Anderson Moss Hoyt. 
Utah's leading entertainment law firm, serving clients nationwide. We provide solid, attentive representation, focusing on minimizing risk, reducing cost, and protecting the reputation and privacy of our clients. Our goal is to provide you with the legal representation you need to make the right decisions and to protect you and your creative works. Call or email me for a free consultation.